Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Welcome to God's country. You have made it. We've kept it quiet for a lot, a lot of years, but we're glad you're here. We're glad you found capital and this is your home. I'm Tracy, and I'm excited to be on this amazing series we've been preaching on. I think the title's in the back. I actually didn't remember what the title of our series is, but it'll be on the screen at any moment of this service. Nope. They don't listen to me. I'm not the real pastor. I'm just one. Being a mission-shaped church. How do you like that? Do you like that? Being a mission-shaped church. I don't know about you, but it's great to be a Christian, but it's kind of a point, it's pointless to be a Christian if you're not a Christian on mission. And it's kind of pointless to be a Christian if you have a problem with the church. This one gets me. Like, you can't be a Christian and not like the church. It just doesn't work like that. It's like being a human and not liking food, you know? Those don't go together. You gotta like food, right? I don't understand people who don't like coffee. It's like, I don't think, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. We're going to get to the bottom of it. There's just something wrong with being a Christian and not having a, a full expression of that within the community that God created the church. You have a place. God has given us a mission. And collaboratively, we have a mission, but individually, you have a mission. But together, we're better, right? I didn't coin that, but I'll take it. We're better together, right? So we're gonna talk today about being a mission-shaped church. You ready? Hey, today's fun. My dad preached the 9 a.m. I'm preaching the 11 a.m. If you wanna know, Pastor Shane's preaching the 5 p.m. You can come to all the services. And then GCD tonight, we're gonna have an amazing 7 p.m. service at the Linden Building. You can just go to every service if you want because we just have a really good church. Um, and every service is gonna be awesome. If you wanna go to your Bibles this morning, we are gonna go to Luke, Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter five, we're gonna read a little bit of the text, how you feel about the Bible. Hey, make sure you sign up for those classes, by the way. I have never been more excited about these uh, adult class, Wednesday night classes. I keep calling them adult classes, like kids can't come or something. It's because we have youth in here on Wednesdays and it's like the parents get to go uh, to their own class, but anyone's welcome to our Wednesday night classes. We have live registration today, it goes live. So make sure you sign up. There are limited spots too, or, am I correct? Make sure you get involved in those adult classes because we love to talk about Jesus. Okay, Luke chapter five, starting in verse 27, just a few verses today. It says this, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. If you didn't know, this is actually Matthew. In the Bible, many of, of, of the characters of the Bible have two names. This is Levi, also Levi Matthew, or Matthew Levi, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. But here in Luke's Gospel, he just refers to him as his, his kind of like his sinner name, you know? They always had like their name pre-Jesus. So he's just Luke, Dr. Luke's just gonna call him Levi by his sinner name. And because he was a tax collector, nobody likes the IRS, right? We don't like him now, and they certainly didn't like him in Jesus' day. He was sitting at the tax booth, and some of you are like, oh, but if you work for the IRS, we love you and we're glad you're a part of this church and we pay our taxes. Oh, we love it. God bless America. Um, and he said to him, follow me. They're like, I'm never coming back to this church. Pastor Chris will be back next week. Don't worry. And he said to him, follow me, Jesus says to the tax collector. He says, follow me. And leaving everything. Man, isn't that beautiful? I don't know if I could leave everything. But Levi, who later becomes one of the great disciples who writes the Gospel of Matthew, leaves everything. He rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. 
And there was a large company of tax collectors, also known as sinners, and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered, those who are, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Somebody say, I want to be a part of a mission-shaped church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Will you pray with me this morning, church? God, we thank you for, I thank you for Capital Church. I thank you for this amazing community for 34 years going strong. Lord, of loving our community and, and being on mission. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that today would just be a catalyst to go even further into being who you've called us to be as a community, as a church, but also as individuals, a part of your great mission that you've given to Capital Church. So God, I pray that you'd inspire us through your word. You'd encourage us, you'd speak to us, you'd convict us, you'd challenge us, you'd remind us of who we truly are, and that is to be mission-shaped people, a part of a mission-shaped church, changing the world. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, say amen. 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 Now this is gonna surprise you, I know. But if there is one test that I could fail in my life, I wish that I could fail a personality test. I don't like personality tests. Some of you, do you like these personality tests? They're all over. Somebody, recently there's a new one all over Facebook, like, and I don't understand it. They're like, what are you? It's like, what, do we know what this one is? I don't even know. What's your personality? I don't like personality tests. You wanna know why? Because I never like what my personality ends up being. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't believe it. In my heart, and this is gonna surprise you, in my heart, I believe I am called to be an introvert. I want to be an introvert with all of my passion. I want to be an introvert so bad. I purposely cheat on personality tests. Like I try to sway it. Anybody else do this? Like they're like, do you love being with people? No, don't at all. Do you walk into a room and like you just know like you wanna work the room? No, I hate it with everything in my life. I literally try to flunk a personality test because I'm sorry, I wanna be the guy that comes into a room and can sit in a corner and read a book or be on your phone and nobody thinks anything's wrong with you. They're like, oh, it's cool, it's just their personality. Extroverts, where are you at? We don't have that luxury. You walk into a room, we walk into church. If I walked into church and just wanted to sit on the front row and not talk to anyone, people would be like calling the prayer chain. Pray for Pastor Tracy, something's wrong. She doesn't act like herself. She okay, God, we need to, we need to, I don't get to just be on my phone, sitting, reading a book in a corner. I get to come in and work a room. That's what an extrovert has to do. And it's exhausting. Extroverts, our backs are breaking because we're carrying the world, you know? My gosh, it's like, help us out. Uh, it, it, it really is, it's, it's an irony. I really, truly, there's moments that I just wanna be an introvert. I just wanna walk somewhere. I wanna go into a grocery store and not be someone that sees someone who needs someone to talk to. I just wanna be the one that doesn't see it. I just wanna be that person so bad. I, I just, I wanna be more like Pastor Christ. Come on. I just, people respect that, you know? The extrovert, they're like, oh, we don't care so much about you. You're just funny. You make us laugh. It's like, I wanna be the one you respect, you know? That you're like, tell us your wisdom, sage. Tell us, tell us more. Nobody does that with extroverts. They're like, make us laugh, monkey. You know, I'm like, I just want to be an introvert. I just want to like walk into a room, not have to talk, not have to entertain. I promise you, I tried for a minute too. I tried, I tried to change, I tried. I tried to reinvent myself a couple years ago, no lie. 
I tried to reinvent myself. I'm like, you know what? I am no longer gonna be the one that carries everyone in a room. Not gonna do it. Tired, been doing it all my life. I'm not kidding, you can ask my parents and my siblings aren't here so they can't say anything. As a child, we'd go out to dinner with you know, guest speakers who would come into town and I'm five years old. My, my siblings are both older than me. We'd sit at a table and it'd be mute, like no one's talking. I'm like, all right, so I look at the pastor. So what do you do, you know, how's your church? <laughs> like, wanna help Chris and Rochelle or am I carrying this conversation? Like, I have done it all my life, and I just want to reinvent myself and be an introvert. Come on, somebody. Where are my extroverts at? Can we just have a break? So a couple years ago, I literally tried to reinvent myself, but the problem is this. I walked into a room like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, they can do it on their own. There's other extroverts of the world. They can take care of them. I'm not going to do it. No, I walk into a room, and I see, oh, man, that person's sitting by themselves. Oh, great. No one's laughing. This is a waste. I'm telling you, if no one laughs at one point, we've missed it, you know? You gotta laugh. And so nobody's laughing, no one's having fun. So there it is. It's like, I tried to reinvent myself for a good, like a summer. I think it was a summer, and I tried. The only way I could do it is just stay away from crowds because as soon as I got in a crowd, I was like, circus monkey's coming out, all right, let's just, let's make the people, let's give them what they want, you know? They wanna laugh, they wanna, they want someone to make them feel important. And it's so funny to me, like, I think in mission work, and when it comes to the community of faith, I think we think the ones who really do mission are just the outgoing ones, the extroverted ones. And if we're honest, I think sometimes we put the weight on people's personality or gifts or their calling or the ones we think are more anointed. And so we think, oh, we're just gonna wait for that person to do that job. I don't know if I can do this. Now, this was funny this week. I was just curious. It was stupid. I can't believe I Googled this, but I was like, is Jesus an extrovert? Was Jesus an extrovert? I Googled it, you know? There are blogs and blogs and blogs on this discussion, by the way. People are very curious. Uh, don't worry. I, I'm not going to, I don't think it's like theologically sound. So please don't take any of this and run with it. Like write a book like Jesus is an extrovert or Jesus is an omnivert. Um, but it was interesting how many people have been discussed. They want to know, like, what was Jesus? Well, I just looked at scripture. I actually don't think Jesus was an extrovert. If you look, if you look in Luke chapter five a little bit earlier than the verses that we talked, oh, it's up there. Jesus liked a lot of times he would draw to, he would go away to the wilderness to a lonely place where the introverts at. That's your favorite verse in the entire Bible. <laughs> You're like Jesus. However, Jesus, we find, especially in the gospel of Luke, we find Jesus in a lot of social settings all the time. In fact, he did his best work in social settings. He preached in synagogues, he taught in synagogues, he traveled around and preached and you know, he'd, be on, he'd be near the sea and he would preach and he'd, have, he'd be around great crowds. But it says over and over and over in the gospels that he'd draw, he would go away to a lonely place, to a desolate place, to the wilderness, because he, he had to go pray. But Jesus' best work was done with people, but do you know where his best kingdom work was done, his best, best mission work was done? Over meals. In Luke's gospel alone, eight times, eight times, Jesus is talking to sinners over meals. Two more times, it's, it's implied. Zacchaeus is one of them. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Where are the church kids at? Yeah. That's all I remember. Uh, but Zacchaeus was one that, that Jesus went, and it was implied in the text that he had a meal with him. There's something about talking and eating eating and talking, something about doing mission with people, with something you got to do every single day anyway. Jesus, 
who probably preferred, he was probably a lot more like Pastor Chris in so many ways, more than me, but he probably enjoyed the lonely place. He probably enjoyed the wilderness and time and prayer and just being by himself and getting away. Some of you are like, went to, to, to your happy place, just as I've said that. You're like, yes, that is what God has called me to be. But even still, Jesus knew. Maybe he got strength from the lonely place, but his calling and his mission was with people. It doesn't matter what our personality is. I accept it. I'm an extrovert, okay? Actually, I think I'm an omnivert, or an, I think I'm one of those. I don't know what that means, actually. It just it makes me feel better. So that when I am sitting alone, I'm not sad. We get sad, too, guys. We have feelings. Extroverts, just let us have feelings, too, you know? We're going to be okay. Just let us be human. But I, I think we have to be careful that we stop making mission everybody else's job or somebody else's personality like mixture or somebody else's calling or because that person has a gift to talk or communicate or that person is just more social. So mission is for them, it's not for me. There's nothing in the text that excludes any of us from mission. I mean, Jesus says, he says, hey, how about all of you go and make disciples? All of you, all of you go and make disciples. He, Jesus knew his disciples was a, was a hot mess of, of different personalities and different, different skill sets, but every single one of them, within the 12, there had to have been some extroverts, some introverts, some omniverts, some amniverts, some everything else, personality. They had the, the Myers-Briggs test back then. No, they didn't, but if they did, there were some who were the performers like me. I still don't accept it. And then there were some that were, you know, that were, the, were the thinkers and all of us have a place within God's mission. But we have to accept the mission. And we have to realize sometimes we gotta get outside of what is so comfortable for us and what we enjoy so much to make sure that we reach the people that God's called us to reach. And I love that in Luke's gospel, Jesus shows us more time than any other text, you do it over meals. You gotta eat. You're gonna have to eat after the service. You might as well take somebody with you. You might as well. You all got to eat. Or you might as well go to a restaurant while you're there and you see a family sitting by themselves. You might as well just pay for their meal. You might as well and say, hey, God bless you. Hey, we just came from church. It was a good day. Did you have a good day at church today? And you walk off. You don't have to tell them the whole gospel. You don't have to have an ABC track. Tells them how to get saved. And then in the, the very way they do, how about we just live like a mission-shaped church? How about we just be who God has called us to be? And you know why, how Jesus loves to do it? He loved to do it over a table more than anything. He loved to talk about the deep things of God sitting across someone. Things get real serious when, when you, when, in a good way, when you're sitting down for a meal. Like, have you ever had to try to, try to have a conversation with just someone on the, on, the, on the street corners? It's not as personal. It doesn't get as deep. It's not that great over a phone. That's great. My gosh, we've turned into such a technology culture. It's like now it's just text. It's not even personal at all. Something amazing happens when you sit across from someone, you look face to face over a table eating because you become real human. The, 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 the level, you level the playing field a little bit, don't you? You got to eat. I got to eat. Oh, we like similar foods. Okay. Oh, I would never touch that. That's disgusting. Why would you eat that? But all of a sudden, humanity is on full view. You get to be human. They get to be human. And something happens when we humanize one another at a meal. And we just talk about Jesus. 
Maybe you don't even talk about Jesus yet because you're like, I'm not sure they're comfortable with that. How about you just talk like Jesus? This is the funny thing about evangelism. People are like, I'm super nervous. I don't know how to evangelize. Just talk like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Love people. Encourage them. This generation, this culture is starved for encouragement. You know what would blow people's mind? You just invite them to dinner and you just encourage them the whole time. Hey, how about don't talk about you, talk about them. I don't, some people are like, I haven't been heard in a hundred years. Thank you for just listening to me. Just be like Jesus. This is what God has called us to be. This is the gospel. This is what it looks like to be a church shaped by mission. Now we have in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter five, we have Levi, we're back to him, okay? That was all just like intro. You, you feel good about it? Uh, here's Levi, and he's a tax collector. And we know this, and you've studied scripture long enough to know tax collectors were not um, the, the most popular people of, of Jesus' day. They were, they were pretty much hated. They were despised. Now, we look at that language, we're like, oh, that's, we don't like our IRS people or whatever. You, we do, we do, we do. Uh, but we don't think, we think culturally today, you don't understand, back in Jesus' day, in ancient Israel, tax collectors, they didn't just take a tax once a year. They taxed everything. This was like nonstop tax. You had income tax, you had, you had food tax, you had clothes tax, you had, a, you had a tax if you went to an event, you had a tax for grain, you had to offer more tax. It was, everything was taxed. So we see here, Levi, a tax collector, is sitting at a taxing booth. Now, some scholars will say this. They'll say, actually, Levi was probably taxing people who were coming to hear Jesus preach. This got real. So really, Levi's bothering Jesus's mission, okay? Levi's a, a little bit of a, a frustration, I would say, to the crowd. So the crowd is annoyed because they've heard about the rabbi Jesus. They just want to come hear Jesus. And there's Levi, the guy that takes all their money all the time. And now he's sitting there when they're going to try to go hear the rabbi. So they're annoyed. They're frustrated. But this is how good Jesus is. Instead of Jesus responding to Levi, the way the crowd is looking at Levi, what does Jesus do? Jesus calls him to be a disciple. Jesus looks at Levi and says, yeah, I know you're bothering the crowd that's coming to hear me preach like the good news of the gospel. But hey, instead of going after Levi, who's bothering people, Jesus says, I like those that bother people. I like sinners. And I'm gonna call a sinner. People see him as a sinner. People see him as bothersome. People see him as the worst of society. I see him as a future disciple. Jesus doesn't look at Levi, the rest, of the, the rest of the crowd looks at Levi. Jesus looks at Levi as an opportunity to be a disciple. So instead of going and dealing with the issue, have you ever, you ever been this person? You're like, oh, I'm gonna go deal with this issue. <laughs> they are bothering. It always makes me laugh when you know, people, you know, kids are disrupting a service or something. People are like, we're gonna go deal with that situation. We're like, but, but are we Christians when we do that? Or it's like, you know, could we do it kindly then if we're gonna tell them to quietly take their loud child out of the service? It's just funny to me how we're gonna deal with situations. When I think Jesus' way of dealing with it, calling them into the family. He doesn't see people as a problem. He sees them as disciples. And I just think we look at too many people as a problem instead of a disciple. And so Jesus is sitting there, like he's, the poor people are trying to come and they just wanna hear Jesus and they're getting taxed and they're annoyed and they're like, this is not again, Levi, my word. 
You constantly are disrupting what we're trying to do. And Jesus sees him, he looks at him, and he says, follow me. This is how he's gonna deal with the situation. Hey, okay, just follow me. Levi leaves everything, follows Jesus. And then this is what's beautiful. What does Levi do? He takes Jesus to his house with the only friends he had. Because guess what? Nobody wanted to be a friend with a tax collector except for other tax collectors. So Jesus walks into a home full of sinners, full of the community and the people that the, the religious ones would say are a disruption to community and to society. They're like, no, we don't hang out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners. We don't hang out with those people. And Jesus walks into a home full of them. Because the only friends Levi had are other people that are like him. Levi takes Jesus right into a space where Jesus doesn't all just get to call Levi as a disciple. He gets to call a whole community to be disciples. Man, that blows my mind. I love that Jesus doesn't see us the way we see us. I love that Jesus doesn't look at your neighbor the way you look at your neighbor. I am so thankful that Jesus does not see your boss the same way you see your boss. Because when Jesus sees him, he sees, ah, that's a future disciple. That's someone that's gonna come to the family. Instead of seeing Levi as a problem, he sees him as someone who can follow. I just wish, church, I wish we'd be that kind of a church. I wish we'd be that kind of a community. I wish we'd see the person who moved in from California and drives really mean, please stop, you know, as a future disciple. I wish we wouldn't get frustrated. I wish we would get just excited about telling people about this community and this life and how it is to follow Jesus. Oh, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus. How wonderful it is to follow him. That is the kind of mission-shaped church God has called us to be. Now, some of you are like, yeah, but there's some rough people out there. Yeah, I know. And you could be one of them or we're one of them too. It's like we forget, right? It's like, we, and isn't it funny? We just can see everybody else's faults, but we certainly do not see our own. We don't see it. Jesus sees all of us as a disciple, someone he has called, someone that he sees as someone who potentially could be welcomed in to the family of God. Now, I got a couple points, which is big for me because I typically don't. So you feel good about this. Couple, two points I, wanna, I just want to touch on, how to be a, a church on mission, how to be a mission-shaped church. I think the number one thing in order to be a mission-shaped church is we must believe that no one is too sinful for Jesus. No one. No one. Now, that includes the president. That includes your boss. That includes the pedophile. That includes the one that has, has beaten you, has disrupted you, who has hurt you, it includes everybody. Now, we stop at a point, don't we? Some of you are like, I'm good with the president. Some of you are like, my boss, ah, some days. Some of you are like, the pedophile? Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure about it. I'm sure about it. The murderer? Yeah, I'm sure about it. I know. It's hard for us to fully embrace the reality of the gospel. That is, Jesus is for everybody. JFTP, have you seen that slogan here at Capitol Church? Jesus is for the people. Not a certain group of people, not the ones you like, and not the ones you dislike. Jesus is for everybody. And you can't be a mission, missional person, and you can't be a part of a mission-shaped church if you don't start there. 
Your starting point has to, will always have to start with this. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for the one that you think is too far gone. No, he's not too far gone for Jesus. Jesus is for everyone. If you want to be a Christian that's a part of a mission that's gonna change the world, you have to know this. Nobody's too far gone for Jesus. Nobody. Just like Levi, Jesus doesn't see a problem. Jesus sees potential. Jesus sees a disciple. Jesus sees someone who's gonna follow him. Jesus sees Levi, who will be Matthew, who's gonna write the Gospel of Matthew one day and change the world. That's how Jesus sees the problem in your life. That person that you don't think could ever get close to Jesus. Jesus sees him as someone who will be his disciple. You have to first see that Jesus calls everyone. The second thing we have to believe as a mission-shaped people, as mission-shaped people, a part of a mission-shaped church, is we have to be willing to share a meal with someone who is not like us. Who is not like us. Now, Capital Church, I, I love this. People say this about our church all the time. We're friendly church. I hope we are. Those of you who have come, I hope you feel that. And I hope we will always be a friendly church. I, you know, one of my favorite things about this church is that I have some of, I've had friends for almost my whole life that we've grown up together in this church. Like we're still friends to this day because we all grew up in this church. It's one of my favorite things about it. But if my friends only for the rest of my life will only be those friends, I'm doing something wrong. If the only people I hang out with or do meals with or spend time with are just the people that I've known since my parents started this church 34 years ago, I missed the point. I missed the point because mission-shaped life is not about, oh, exclusion. It's not about some and not others. It's about an inclusive like opportunity for you to include anybody and everybody, no matter how far off you think they are. And you know what helps me grow more than anything? Hanging out with people who are not like me. It's good for me. It's good for you. If all you do is you do community with just the same group of people, that's great. We want to be, we want to be with people who are like us and we want to encourage each other. We want a great community. But if that's all you do and you're not bringing in new families and new communities and people on the outside, I mean, this was the text. All these people that Jesus ate with were outsiders. All of them. Jesus just walked into a room full of outsiders and ate a meal with them. We have to be willing to share a meal with someone who's not like us. Now, practically speaking, Republicans might need to eat with Democrats, and Democrats might need to eat with Republicans. And those of you who have never voted need to probably eat with someone who encourages you to vote. <sighs> we need each other. You need to, you need to sit with someone who, who doesn't know Jesus yet. You know how I look at everybody? I look at them as someone who just doesn't know Jesus yet. That's how I look at them. People that, my, my two favorite baristas at Starbucks is Bob and Kat, and they don't know Jesus yet. But they, they're gonna know him. And I might be one of the reasons they get to know him. Because just last, yesterday, Bob asked me what I did for a living, and that was my inroad. I was like, well, Bob, I'm a pastor. And then he told me all about his grandfather who planted churches. I'm like, God, you're so good. Like, they're just people who don't know you yet, but they're going to know you. If we're going to be missional people, we have to be good with getting to know people that aren't like us. I know it's hard because this week I went home after 
all day at the church meetings, back to, literally back-to-back meetings. I went from one to the next to the next. And, and the, intro, the, the desire for introvert was strong that day, real strong. I was like, all the extrovert characteristics were gone at this point. I had given it all, you know? So I go home. I'm not even a big TV person. Where are my TV people? You just love it. You're like all about Netflix. I pay Netflix to search it and then never watch anything. I'm like, you are, you're owning me, Netflix. Um, so I, 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 but I went home because I needed, I needed to be like Jesus in Luke chapter 5, 16, when he goes to a lonely place. <laughs> I needed to go to a lonely place. So I was just, I'm going to watch something on TV. I'm just going to have a, like, whatever. I'm not kidding you. This has never happened. I'm like thinking, oh, okay. And I actually had in my mind what I wanted to watch, which rarely ever happens because I search and search, but I, someone had recommended some show and I was like, oh, I'm so pumped. I turn on the TV. I'm not lying to you. I cannot lie. I'm a pastor. I turn on the TV and the power goes out. And I'm like, and I was like, did I pay my bill? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> That's the first thought. I was like, I totally did. Uh, and so I'm like panicking. I like get up. I see my neighbor outside looking and we both looked at each other like, oh, okay, well his power's out. I walk back into the cave where I just was going to sit there where there's no power and I'm just going to sit there. And then I was like, nope, I'm going outside to talk to my neighbor. Aren't I, Lord? That's what I'm doing, huh? I just wanted to go to a lonely place. I wanted to watch Netflix with all of my heart. I wanted to be an introvert. And I was like, okay, I walk outside. My parents are my witnesses. I walk outside, neighbors are all out, the power's all out. I guess power was out in Meridian and all over. I walk outside and I see some neighbors who just moved into town and walk down there and chat with them. My parents drive in the neighborhood and see me out there talking to my neighbors and my parents start chatting with my neighbors. And I'm sitting out there just talking and you know, talking about what I do. And my neighbor, Greg's like, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And you could tell no church background and not even a real interest until the very end when he's like, wow, that's pretty amazing that someone like you, I would never guess someone like you would be a pastor. I'm like, I know, it makes it kind of fun. And I just, he's like, wow, I just, like, I didn't know young people did that. I was like, thank you for thinking I'm young. Um, I didn't hear anything else you said. (laughs) How old do you think I am? Exactly. But it's amazing what happens when you just walk outside, when you just, you just get outside of yourself and you commune with other people. I mean, my neighbors have no friends. They've literally moved here and know no one. Basically, they're like, we know you. (laughs) They now know my parents are about the same age. They know a few people. What would our world look like? What would our community look like? What would our church look like if we just started caring about others? If I just looked at my neighbors as people who just don't know Jesus yet. So everything I do is very intentional now. Think about it. Am I going to bring them meals? Yeah, they have no furniture. What am I going to do? I'm going to bring them things. Why? Because intentionally I'm thinking they just don't know Jesus yet. And all this stuff might lead them to walk into a church one day, hear the gospel, and now their whole life, their generation, their children, their children's children, everything changes. Why? Because I lived a missional life. We have to be missional people. And the reality is, is that's not hard. Talking to my neighbor was not painful. Some of you drive into your house. Some of you, and this blows my mind, and I, you need to know your neighbor's names. Like, try. Try harder. Like, I never see him. Try harder. You know, leave him a note. Get to know your neighbors. 
it's, it's, an, it's not a mistake that God places us in the homes that we're at, in the neighborhoods that we're at. Jesus knows what they need. Now listen to this. In John chapter 17, Jesus says this to his disciples. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless word hated them. Because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus to the disciples. But that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy and consecrated. With the truth, your word is consecrating the truth in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world. I give them a mission in the world. Just as God was given, a just as God came in human flesh, came to this earth with a mission, so he gives us a mission in this world. Some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm called to do that. Yeah, you are. Jesus says it. Then he says in John chapter 20, after he's ascended, after Jesus has ascended, he comes back to his disciples and he says this in John chapter 20. At some point, John chapter 20 will come. Yes, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the door is being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Because they're terrified, terrified because Jesus is standing in front of them and they saw Jesus die on a cross. They saw they no longer knew where Jesus was. Now he's standing amongst, amongst them. He says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw it was the Lord. At this point, they obviously realized this is Jesus. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. It's the same phrase he used in John chapter 17 before he went to the cross. It's the same phrase he uses after the cross. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. Peace be with you. Just as God sent me, I send you. Hey, peace be with you. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to figure out the scenarios. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know everything to say. Peace will be with you. You got this. I have done the work. You just now do the mission. You just carry it out. This is what he has called us to do. Jesus is the most hospitable person that we will ever know in human history. He liked to do the mission over meals. He liked to show hospitality. I was talking to our friend, Chad Veach, who was here this weekend. And he was, um, if you were here at the Hope is Here tour on Friday night, it was awesome. We're so blessed to have Mosaic Music and Chad and Zoe worship here. And Chad and I were talking, Chad was just so grateful in their team for our hospitality. And we thought, oh, I don't think we, we could have done way more, but like, we're all, we want to do anything. We, we want to be hospitable. They're like, you're the best. You've been the most hospitable church that we've been at so far. It's so fun to be with you. And we're just talking, Chad and I were just talking about hospitality and he was like, Trace, he's like, he was telling me about this one church that literally will blow every other church out of the water when it comes to hospitality. He's like, you've got to go to this church. If you ever speak at this church, you will be blown away. Like, it's unreal. And I was like, really? Like, he's telling me all these amazing things. They just love to be hospitable. So he asked the pastor, he's like, why are you so hospitable? And the pastor said, well, it dawned on me one time that the word hospital is in the word hospitality. And he realized everyone who comes in our doors and everyone who comes to our church and everyone that I come in contact with, it's, it's actually, they're broken people. They're sick people, they're hurting people, they're burned out people. They're, they're disruptive, you know, they're, they're, their souls are disrupted, they're, they're broken, they're dislocated from, from God's family. And so he got this revelation. He got this revelation that we're called to be hospitals for people. You know what hospitality is? It's being a hospital. Basically, I'm just a little hospital walking around helping people. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to walk around and, 
and, and I'm gonna see a hurt person, I'm gonna pray with them. I'm gonna see someone who feels dis, d- discouraged and I'm gonna give them an encouraging word. I'm gonna see someone who needs a connection and family and wants to be networked and I'm gonna find them a great community to be a part of. There's just something about hospitality that shapes a community. It shapes the community if the band wants to come up. We are called to be mission-shaped people. You are called. You're like, well, I'm an introvert. Well, so was Jesus, I think. Well, I just, I don't, I don't like talking to people and I, I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable. Well, you, you still got a mission. Now, here's the beauty of it. None of us have to do the whole job ourselves. This is what frees me, because the extroverts, we feel it, right? We carry, I tell you, our, our backs are breaking. We're carrying all of you. <laughs> That's how we feel. That's our, do- our default. Our default is we feel like we gotta, we gotta take care of everybody. We gotta make sure everyone, is- no, 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 no. None of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. All of us can do something. All of us can reach a person. All of us can love a neighbor. All of us can be kind to a coworker. All of us could see a broken, hurting person on the side of the road and say, hey, can I do something for you? Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Do you need a ride? Do you need something? Do you need somebody to help you? Why? Because I'm like a hospital walking around with the right aid for them. It's Jesus. You have Jesus. They need Jesus. They just don't have him yet. We need to look at people as we walk out tonight or today. Wherever you go, you're going to be sitting at meals, and I hope you're looking around people. And there might be a lot of church folk. A lot of church, church folk are eating at restaurants today. But you might see a table that doesn't look like they're church folk, and you know. You might know. Pay for their meal. Walk by them and say, hey, I just want to bless you today. We had a really fun day at church, and I just, I just want to tell you, I hope you have a great week. Imagine what that would do for someone. Instead of going past people, why don't we stop? Why don't we call people as Jesus sees them, not as sinners and not as outsiders and not as people who just, ah, they're not really a part of like our community, our clique and our our little crew. How about we see them as followers and disciples of Jesus? Potentially people who could be in the family of God. You know why people say this all the time? You know why people don't come to church? It's not because they don't want to, it's because no one invites them. Did you know that? Those statistics. Your neighbor might never come to church until you actually invite them. Worst case scenario, this is my favorite thing to say. Worst case scenario, wait for it. Are you nervous? Worst case scenario, they'll say no. Worst case scenario, they'll say no one time. You can ask them again. Worst case scenario, they might say no again. Who knows? Maybe the third time. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know the pain that's inside of people's homes. You don't know the things, maybe externally they're joyful and happy and not showing emotion, but maybe on the inside there's something going on. Maybe by the third time they'll say, yeah, I'll go to church with you. Why don't we just be missional people and let God do what God does best? Drawing them, calling them, redeeming them, restoring them, healing them. We don't have to be the healers, we just gotta be the hospital. I don't have to save anybody. You don't save anybody. I don't heal anybody. I don't restore anybody. I'm not a savior to nobody, but I can be a hospital that can bring people in and say, hey, you lonely? Come with me. Oh, you tired? Come with me. Oh, you discouraged? It's okay, come with me. You broken? Oh, I got the place for you. Come with me. We're hospitals. 
for a broken people. Can you stand with me today, church? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.